0: All right, everybody. We are broadcasting live from Chief Pigskin. This is the Life Leadership and Pursuit of Greatness podcast. I'm your host, Tim Lovell, along with Dwayne Mathis. We'll get to uh, our guest, Coach Frank Howell, here in just a minute. But thanks for joining us today. Welcome. Um, If you're a coach and you want to get better uh, in your leadership skills, this is the place you need to be. Um, Wherever you're turning in, wherever you're listening to, thank you so much. We believe that when you leave this podcast today, that you're going to feel refreshed, rejuvenated, ready to take on the challenges that come with leadership and give you some strategies walking out of here today uh, that you can put in tomorrow uh, as a leader. And it doesn't matter if you're a boss, if you're an employee, uh, everyone can be a leader. It's an action for sure. And so uh, my brother from another mother, Dwayne Mathis, how are you tonight, brother?
1: Man, I couldn't even be any better. You know, it's a great day today was able to actually get in front of some kids and start working out. And uh, you know, I'm trying not to rub that in too much for you, Tim, but it was uh it was great getting out on the field and and uh you know just spending some time with some of the players and, and getting to new some getting to know some of these new guys and them getting to know me a little bit uh, you know, at Nottaway Valley, it was it was a great day. So
0: That's great. It's all about relationships, right? And that's how it starts, just getting to know kids. Um, Well, our esteemed guest here is uh, the head girls basketball coach at Central Decatur High School here in Iowa. He's been the head coach at Graceland University. Um, He's been a 4A uh, girls basketball coach, been to the state finals, came in second place three times at Washington High School, was able to win a state championship at Audubon High School. Coach Howell has the experience and the leadership skills uh, to take this podcast to the next level. So let's introduce our guest. Uh, Coach, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. Very honored that you guys gave me this opportunity to talk to you guys tonight. And, um, and also thrilled with uh, what's up in front of me. And uh, just really excited to get back into teaching and coaching at the high school level.
0: Yeah, it's it's so much different as you as you've been at the the college and the and the high school level. It's so it's so different, and you've got a really interesting path. and And I think it's going to resonate with people because we get coaches on here from all over, all different levels, youth to high school to college. Uh, female coaches. Uh, we're we're across the pond now. Uh, we're in nine different countries. We're in thirty seven states. Um, people want to be better leaders, and so you know, if you would be so kind, take us to where you uh, got to today. How did you end up at Central Decatur? Tell us about your path.
2: Well, uh, I'll do my best to try to sum that up in a concise fashion, but by now uh, I'm getting to be a little bit older, so that's a little bit tougher to do. But uh, the first coaching job that I ever had, uh, people that have lived in Iowa that are a little bit older, uh, they, they probably remember six-on-six basketball. And in my hometown, they needed an assistant basketball coach. And I was approached by Mike Long, who was one of the best coaches I've ever seen anywhere at any level, uh, both in girls basketball and in high school baseball. I think he could have coached anybody at any level in any sport and been successful. And he approached me uh, because he needed an assistant coach. And that's what really got me fired up. I think growing up, I always wanted to be a coach. And at that time, I had a degree a a double major in political science and history from William Penn. Uh, But I I didn't have my teaching credentials at that time. And so after one year with him, um, I was able to be the head coach at Dallas Center Grimes and uh, went back for a year at Iowa State University to pick up my teaching credentials and did student teaching at Dallas Center Grimes and Um, just really had a, a very enjoyable year there with a great group of people to work with. And, but the, the problem was they didn't have a teaching position. And, uh, so I needed to find somebody that would hire me both as a teacher and as a coach. And I went to Audubon and started to do that. And the first year I was, was not the head coach there. And, and then the following year I was, and and then I was there for eight years, um, as the head coach. So I was in Audubon for a total of nine years. And, uh, you know, Audubon, Iowa, um, uh, just a lot different than, than Cedar Rapids, Iowa, um, but decided to try to, to take things maybe to um, the next level up, at least in, the, in terms of high school, and uh, decided to go to, to Cedar Rapids, Washington after they gave me the opportunity to be there, and, and the first year was really rough. Um, it was just so radically different from where I was. But um, then uh, things really turned around the second year uh, in a big way. And, and so I was at Cedar Rapids, Washington for a total of, of 13 years hmm. and uh, won over 200 games there and uh, got state runner up three times there. Uh, made it to the state tournament six times there. We made it twice at Audubon. So I was a head coach um, for 22 years uh, and assistant coach for two years at the high school level. Um, but I always did want to coach collegiately and uh i was very fortunate to have the opportunity uh to test those waters out and uh you know grayson university it was a great experience i the the big thing that i regret was that i just wasn't able to quite get it turned around in terms of wins and losses to the level that i wanted to and and in high school we we won pretty frequently we had a lot of success in terms of wins and losses at grayson we didn't do that Um, But by the same token, I really enjoyed it immensely. I enjoyed the recruiting. I I enjoyed coaching an older athlete compared to the high school level. I enjoyed the lifestyle. Um, I I enjoyed life without bells for a little while. Um, Just just all those types of things. And and uh, but but after four years, you know, uh, like I say, from a competitive standpoint, I wasn't able to turn the corner, but I was approached, you know, I I might have, they were going to allow me to stay there at Graceland. Um, So I I feel glad that I wasn't shown the door. And I also feel really fortunate that I left Graceland feeling very good about the place. Um, The people there are incredible. It's a a great school. Um, But I was approached uh, by Central Decatur and they they asked, hey, would you ever think about going back into, into high school? And one of the things that over the course of four years that I think that the college experience really allowed me to think about, and I know that this podcast is, is kind of tailored a little bit towards not just coaching, but leadership in general. And I think that probably one of my main messages um, for anybody that might be listening, that might be thinking about things in terms of career path and things like that, is I think that the, the impact that, that you can have as a college basketball coach is pretty big. Um, but I think just to be, and, and I, don't, I don't want to try to her away from how big that can be, but as big as that can be, I think that the impact that you can have as a teacher and a coach in any school district, uh, I think that that's one of the, the biggest places that, that you can have an impact because now you're not just having an impact with your athletic team but you're having an impact with throughout the whole student body um, with other faculty members, with support staff, with the community in a way that's unlike anything that you can have just as a collegiate coach. So really feel good about the experience that I have had in the past. I'm I'm glad that I've had uh, the rural experience at Audubon, the city experience at Cedar Rapids, Washington, the collegiate experience at Grayson university. Um, But you know, I'm, I'm, just about as fired up as you could imagine, uh, to have the chance to go back and, and, and kind of in a way, kind of go back to the place where I started, even though I didn't start at Central Decatur. It's, it's kind of like life going full circle.
1: Yeah. Kind of that, uh, homecoming there for you, even, um, even though you're quite young when you were in Leon. Um, but you know, I know just, you know, full disclosure here, I spent a lot of time with coach Hal. He was, uh, my uh, precepting teacher when I went through student teaching and, you know, I've seen firsthand at the relationship building that, that you've done. And so I know that, um, you know, probably not all uh, influences in your life come from basketball coaches. I know that you have great relationships with all coaches across the board. So uh, so who are some of your influencers that have, you know, brought you to who you are today? Uh, You know, obviously I I imagine your high school coach and beyond, but we'd just love to hear some of those coach.
2: Well. I guess thinking in terms of, of uh, Perry, Iowa, that's where I'm from originally. Um, I had a great social studies teacher named Tom Lipovac, and he, he was one of the best that I've ever seen in terms of that. And he later went on to be the full time activities director at Perry, but he was just one of the best classroom teachers that, that I'd ever seen. And I think that that probably gave me a little bit of a motivation to kind of follow in that realm, in terms of, you know, the thing that I'll say is that, uh, as far as going into a classroom, I always try to do a great job, but I I don't think that I can ever do it quite as well as what he did it. And then from the coaching standpoint, I I already referenced Mike Long. And I I just think that he's the most amazing coach that I've ever seen. And, you know, I, I try to be the very best that I can be. I try to be the best in the world, but I'll never be as good as Coach Long was. So, um, you know, I I, I never played for him. I coached under him. um, But from the time I was a a young kid, I used to be the bat boy for the baseball team. And when his high school basketball teams played, it just seemed like he was able to sometimes find a way to work some magic and beat some teams that they had no business beating. And I, I think that I saw that in baseball, too. So, he was amazing um, as a coach and, and then teaching Tom Lipovac. And and then I, I had a great athletic director to work under um, in Audubon, Iowa. And uh, I think that sometimes you, you kind of get hit with the lucky stick with regards to who you either do have or you're not fortunate enough to have as a mentor. And I had a guy named Dean Kiger that I worked under at Audubon that was just a tremendous mentor for me, believed in me. When I was really young, um, calmly uh, listened, calmly gave advice. Um, sometimes I took it, sometimes I didn't. Um, but I always listened, that I remember everything that he ever told me. And um, you know, if I didn't take it, maybe maybe the same year that he gave it to me, I might have taken it ten years down the line somewhere. Um, and and then uh, Dwayne, I know that you'll know the the next guy that I'm going to reference. Um, and, and I would say that, that that's Dr. Ralph Flagman. Mm, yeah. um, Cedar Rapids, Washington uh, is such a, a diverse place and such an amazing place. Um, but it's it's also um, it, it probably takes a very special person to navigate through that diversity because you have to be so many different things to so many different types of people. And there are so many activities um, ranging through through the fine arts and and athletics and academics, and and trying to promote excellence and, and trying to make people feel valued, and to to motivate not just the students and but the teachers and 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 everybody else around him. Um, and I've just never seen anybody that was quite as big of a champion for his institution as what he was. You know, I mean, I I know that there, there are probably a lot of people that. They might scoff at this, but the thing that I have said publicly uh, about Ralph Plagman is if we think about the big leaders um, throughout the course of history, um, you know, I mean, you think about somebody like Martin Luther King, or you you think about somebody like uh, Mahatma Gandhi, or or somebody along those lines that are are maybe one of the most, probably one of the 100 most famous people in, in the history of the world that people could identify. Well, there, there's probably not a lot of people um, that that know who Dr. Ralph Plagman is, but I'm just not convinced that his multiplier impact on this world isn't as big as what some of those giants are in in terms of human history. Um, they might not know his name; um, they might not even know that he has had an influence on, on him on them. Uh, but I think that he's influenced so many people that have spanned out. Uh, across the world in so many different capacities uh and and I think that he's motivated me and inspired me and and so so those are four people that come to mind right away and and believe me those are those are four people that I've been thinking a lot about as I kind of head down into what's what's possibly uh, kind of it's potentially the twilight of my career coming down mm-hmm. this this could be the last place that I go and and I want to get it right and I, and I want to kind of get it right because those four guys they they got it right
0: that's a that's a, a, a powerful legacy that you're talking about. And Duane and I spend a lot of time uh, talking about leading by following or standing on the shoulders of giants. And you mentioned some some giants in, in the high school education arena and, and people that you have learned from and, and learned what leadership looks like and sounds like and feels like. And so as you've gone through your experiences, how do you define leadership? What does it look like to you?
2: Well, I, I think that, uh, in in the most simplistic sense, uh, the best way that I know how to describe it, uh, in, in terms of what what I how I try to lead, what I try to accomplish, is to try to maximize potential. Um, and so that's the phrase that keeps popping into my head when I think about leadership. So, um, if we think about whatever team it is that we're going to coach, in fact, I you know I I, I had a great great quote. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of a show called men in blazers. Mm. And, and I also, I be, uh, I, I love those guys, you yeah. know, and I'm, and, and I'm actually probably a little bit bigger of a fan of Roger Bennett. Um, cause he is just a great, uh, one-on-one interviewer with whoever he interviews. He's so well-prepared. He can be funny, but he can also be serious. And, and so whenever they're on, I, I tend to listen. I, I always enjoy them for entertainment, but also for their cultural references and and also just there's some takeaways I think that that just seem to pop up there when when you watch those guys, especially when they when they interview um, famous people. And, and so he was interviewing Steve Kerr, and I can't even remember if Roger Bennett brought it up or Steve Kerr brought it up. But but what uh, what was said between the two of them they were, they were both familiar with the quote was you know uh, a, a good coach will will make his team or her team, uh, 10% better and, and a bad coach will make their team 30% worse. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, that really, that really resonated kind of with that overarching theme of maximizing potential. So you might be into a situation where maybe you're going to coach a team and, 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 and reali- it may not be realistic in a given year that, that you're going to break 500. But you might, you know, but but what can you do that you can bring to that team to get them closer to that 10% or 20% or whatever that percent is that maybe somebody else wouldn't be willing to give to get them to that point? And for heaven's sakes, you don't want to be making that team 30% worse. And I I think that that's one of the things that I think is a huge challenge. Um, and, And I think that's one of the things. That I, I tried to do a, a really good job, and hopefully I did at Graceland. Was that there? There were some some games where we were we going into it, we were just overmatched. But still, can we play a better game? Can I help them to play a better game than maybe somebody play. else was help them to play? That I, I tried. If to we do were play. led by somebody else, um, so so maximizing potential is probably uh, the biggest thing that I try to do. Coach, when you
1: talk about um, you know again the leadership, I think leaders certainly have to have a a certain type of mindset. I mean, do you feel like you had a different mindset as a head coach than when you were uh, in a, a different role at coaching?
2: Well, I do think one of the things that's changed over time is just the dynamics in my life. Um, you know, it's it's probably not typical. Uh, for a, a lot of people, not to get married maybe uh, until they're 34 years old, which was the case for me. Hmm. Most people get married before they're 34 years old. Um, most people have kids before they're 37 years old, and uh, and and then you know then I had a second kid when I was 39 years old, and 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 that's that's it. I mean that's kind of the extent of my personal life. Um, so. If you go back to the Audubon days, um, we won a state championship in 1999. We were two A-class champions. And I just can't imagine that – I, I know this much. I'm not saying that I couldn't have coached that team just as well 15 years later. But I, don't, I, I just don't see how I could have put as much – into it in terms of time and energy and effort and done right by my family. Um, So I think that that's something that that has definitely changed over time is now you have to balance family life out. Maybe given that that's the case, maybe you have to find a way to delegate some leadership a little bit more than you might have. When, when it was 1999, I was 29 years old. I mean, I really, I, I got up in the morning, really early in the morning, and, and I just poured everything that I had into it until I kind of collapsed. Um, and then I woke up the next day and I just did that again all the time. I don't do it that way anymore. I'm a lot more conscious of, of trying to make sure that I'm, I'm getting a little bit more rest, um, that my family doesn't feel neglected. Um, and, and all those types of things. And and I'm hoping, um, that there might be a state championship somewhere down the line again, but it's one in, in a totally different manner in terms of how I'm navigating, uh, myself personally, nothing wrong with how I did it back then. Um, I think for what I was doing at that time, I think I did it the right way. Um, but if I tried to do it that way now, that would be a a pretty big disservice and and it wouldn't be the right way to do it. So- When I hear you, I I hear you say that basically, if
1: you were to look at your program when you were 29 years old, it would be quite different than how you run it now. You've evolved in how you do that. Is that safe to say, Coach? I mean, would your program
2: look exactly the same? Or, well, when we're talking about the optics of it a little bit, I I do think that there are some things that, if you looked at our program uh, back in 1999, there there would be some things that I think would look a lot the same. And I think that there are some things that would look a lot uh, different. And, uh, you know, one of the, I'm just thinking almost schematically, which is maybe not the the avenue that we want to head down a little bit, because um, I think we're probably talking about some of the larger issues. Um, but, but I do think that there are some things that would be the same with the, the larger issues too. Um, I, I do think that, I think that my energy level would still be pretty high um, now and, and back then. Um, I think schematically, I, I think that because I try to keep the the energy level high, I think that you'd still be uh, – we're still going to be pressing. Um, we're probably going to play more man-to-man than we are zone. Um, that just suits my personality a lot better. And um, and then in high school, you know, we played a little bit more zone in college because there was a shot clock. Um, in high school, there's no shot clock, and I always want to find a way to get – to get the other team to shoot and and probably to to play at it at a little bit of a faster pace than what they're normally used to playing Um, offensively. I think things would, would look certainly a lot different. And, uh, and I don't, sometimes I wonder if it's growth or not, you know, uh, I I think that things were so simplistic um, back in 1999. um, I, I, I probably, they, they probably were not as advanced as what I thought they were back then Um, but sometimes I wonder if, if that wasn't better to do it that way, but, but certainly as you do evolve and as you do learn things, you do want to try some of those things out too, and see if there is some growth, uh, that might be available to you.
0: Well, I, I think it's really interesting that you're talking about in terms of mindset and work-life balance. We had an interesting coach from a coach at East Buck High School, Justin Schaefer, uh, was sent us a really detailed text on creating that and finding that work-life balance uh, that fits. And and you know, my response was you got to find what works for you. And and I think, you know, we hear a lot of people who have a lot of different positions, but I I think you speak to the mindset of a lot of coaches. Like how do you create that? How do you do it? How do you make it work? And I've always come from the, the mindset that it's season based. It's it's seasonal. So your balance is never going to be 50-50 the way you want it to. You're going to be more you know, in season here, less a little family and then a little more family, a little less season. Uh, and it's just kind of an ebb and flow. But you know, what's your where did you come up with your your balance? Is is did you learn it from somebody else or is this a process of evolution that you've grown through?
2: Well, I think it's a process of evolution. Um, I, I I know it's important to me. My family is very important to me. Um, but I, I think that as it, it, crazy as it sounds, for anybody that's listening, if you want to have a better marriage, wash the dishes every day. Mm. You know, I mean, how 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 ridiculous does that sound? But honest to God, wash the dishes or do something that your wife doesn't want to do. And as as stupid as this sounds, you know, that probably took me about 10 years to figure out that if I'll just wash the dishes so that she doesn't have to wash the dishes, that's really going to make things a lot better, and that probably takes twenty minutes to do or less. Um, but nobody wants to wash the dishes, um, and that's something else. You know, I, I think that when you do some of those household chores, and I don't, I'm not great at it. There's, I don't, I don't do well with vacuuming, and I don't do well with laundry. And I, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm Superman doing everything. But just one simple thing to take that off of her plate a little bit. Um, it's not something I was good at at first. And, and the other thing that, that honestly, I think has helped is that the kids have gotten a little bit older now. Um, but when, when they were both, you know, they were, they were both below the, the age of five. I mean, um, that was tough and I, I probably should have found a way to, to do a little bit better than what, what I was doing. But I do think, I think that technology has helped us to evolve a little bit as well, because, Um, one of the things in Iowa right now, a lot of coaches are using the huddle and it's a lot easier maybe to break down game film at your house. You know, even before I left Graceland, I'd say probably about, that was about the last year, maybe the last two years when I was at Cedar Rapids, Washington. Now I I like to scout in person. I think that that's better. I think that there are things that you pick up there. Um, but staying married is, is, is better too than the alternative, I think. For sure. Um, and and so that's, that's one of the types of things that I think that the technology, I think that if you can figure out that, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not going to make that, that road trip an hour away, um, to go film a game by on my own camcorder or, or or iPad or whatever, maybe I'm just going to use something off of huddle, um, in my computer at, at my house, Um, that, you know, little things like that weren't available before. So I think that technology maybe has helped us to evolve a little bit too, if we let it. So coach, when you look at, um,
1: and, and I, I know, you know, obviously since I have a, a a familiarity with you, I, I can probably guess what the answer would be, but, you know, for me being in a classroom with you, you bring positive energy like right off the bat? I mean, you're starting in the halls kind of deal. Is that something that just came natural to you? How did you develop it? Is it, was it more, uh, do you have to, are you diligently thinking about that when you walk into practice or when you walk into the classroom? Like, how am I going to bring it today?
2: Well, that's a great question. I I think it's some of both. Uh, I I do think that I've, I've always kind of been inspired by other people. I've always been fired up I think that there's there's really two things that have really fired me up, and and that's been athletics in terms of the games themselves, especially basketball, but more importantly, the, the people that make up either the athletic team or the educational environment. And I, I just don't know why, but I've always just uh, – there, there's there's an energy out there that when – just for example, this morning when we were working – for the first time at central Decatur. And, and tomorrow we'll have, uh, we'll we'll have the chance to work in in a basketball environment for the first time at central Decatur tomorrow. Um, and you know, we've been unable to do that. I've been, I haven't even met these kids before, but I, I found myself kind of getting reinvigorated just by the presence of athletes coming in and wanting to get better. That really fires me up. Um, and just the classroom environment, that really fires me up. There's so, there's so much good out there. There's so much to do. Um, there's so much to learn. There's so much to be inspired by um, that it just does start to, to generate a little bit of electricity within me. Now, one of the things that I will say maybe has evolved a little bit, um, and you picked up on that uh, pretty astutely, was that I, I do think when maybe when I was at Cedar Rapids, Washington in the beginning, I I think that I was maybe a little bit more apt not to go out and do hall duty. Um, But as time went on, I thought that that probably was the best thing that anybody could do. The passing time was almost more important than the in-class time. Mm. Um, And uh, especially at a bigger school when it's such a challenge because other than Dr. Plagman, I'm not sure that every anybody knew every single kid's name in that building, but that's something that probably the more kids that you get to know, the better, even if you never do have them in your class. Um, so I, I do think that that's something just tactically that did evolve there, where I tried to, to get a little bit of mileage in the hallway before class started. And that might plant some seeds um, down the road a little bit, because some of those kids that maybe you talk to them gradually in the hallway. Maybe later you see them in a different environment, and that forges a, a better relationship than if you just stayed in your room and, and waited for the next group to come in. Well, you were, I mean, outstanding
1: at that. I mean, uh, I you know, I remember the the wall sits, and you'd have people come up, and and if people don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Coach Howell would, uh, you know, Get the timer out and be like, "All right, thirty second wall sit. Who's gonna join me? Hey, come on, get over here, get over here." Just and he, he probably didn't even know who the kid was. He know "Hey, come on, get over here. Let's do a wall sit." Next thing you know, he's got five kids lined up against uh, lockers doing wall sits, and you know for thirty seconds, and then off they went to class. And and I thought that was just so, I mean, original in the sense of you are the kids don't know it, but you are building relationships and building equity with those kids in the sense of. Maybe it's eventually you will have them in class or maybe it's, uh, you know, years or months later, you're breaking up a scuffle or something in the hall or something. And they they have that relationship with you. So they're not going to be uh, confrontational with you. So I, I just thought that was I learned a lot, you know, just by watching you just in passing time, probably more so, like you said, than in the classroom.
2: Well, I appreciate that, you know, and and I think, too, one of the things that 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 my message has been lately. Um, it's just kind of with the state of the world right now. Is uh, try to try to find a little bit of joy somewhere somehow. There there's a lot to get angry about right now, and that's that's probably one of the one of the few things that the people that are left of the center and and people that are right of the political spectrum that's one of the few things that they probably have in common, but they do have in common is how angry they are. Um, But, you know, those, those kids that came up and, and we were able to do wall sits with them, we didn't give them a political litmus test. We just said, you know, let's do some wall sits. And, 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 and even those that didn't do it, you know, I'm not afraid to make a fool of myself to make somebody else shake their head and laugh at me. Oh, yeah, you know a lot of people probably i and I know because I've had some people that have told me before, hey, you're an idiot. But you know, <laughs> that's fine. Um, I, I think that's one of the things that I've learned is that that's you know i i'm I'm the master. you know, i I got you to call me an idiot and that took pressure off of yourself for a little bit. Um so I, I think that any time that you have a way to try to bring uh, a little bit of joy, Um, then you do that and something as ridiculous as, as a wall sit during passing time. I think that, that maybe that might've loosened the mood a little bit and, uh, and, and any time that we can find that, I think we got to grab a hold of it.
1: Are you going to carry that on to Central
2: Decatur? going to be doing some walking? I, I don't know. Area? You know, there's probably a good chance I'll have to examine the walls first and make sure that they're safe.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think you speak to what a lot of coaches struggle with, and it's that whole authoritative leadership versus relationship-driven leadership style, and, and I think we're finding that Uh, well, we know really that's the way that it works in the long term. authoritative can have short-term gain, but it's not going to have the long-term benefit and the results in the relationships. You know, when it's a relationship driven leadership, like much like you're doing, you're giving kids the opportunity to grow into a relationship with you. And then, then you can create the rules uh, that allow things to work better. I heard a great uh, saying today from Tim Kite, uh, you know regarding teachers and coaches don't be furious don't get furious be curious and it, it speaks to the mindset of finding out about what's going on with kids and I, it, and to me it was a great wake up call um in terms of you know i we all think about our sports and our in our classrooms way more than kids do they're never focused on the things that we're focused on and, and we think about that, at least I do, to a detriment. And so I have to step back and go, wait a minute, um, what's going on here? You know, and, and them being in my class is probably not the priority. And so I, I like the the question you know, instead of, you know, why are you mad? Or, what's going on with you? What's keeping you from engaging in class? What's keeping you from being on time? What's keeping you from um, being the best person? that you can be right now and i i think that's a really introspective question um with relationship driven uh leadership
2: that's a great quote you know and i I'd, I'd never heard it before but i i do have a notebook and pen and i'm going to jot that one down <laughs> um so so that's really good but uh yeah i i i think that one of the things too um hopefully i'm not speaking out of line but i i do think that um, sometimes you see coaches, and I think I've done this before, too. Um, uh, you, sometimes you can really get on those kids. But if if it's come from a place where maybe you really got to know them well and showed that you cared about them prior to a moment um, and that those moments don't become the norm, that you kind of hold those – uh, in your back pocket for once in a great while, whatever that is, once a year, once every two years, once every five years, whatever it is. Um, then I think that that's okay, but it, it hopefully it comes from a place of, of caring first. And that I think that's one of the things too that um, that I, I, I'm trying to paraphrase the quote a little bit, but but basically, um, if you go back to the classroom example, not always going to remember, what the lesson was in terms of what the history lesson was, but, but they'll remember the way that you made them feel. Yep. And, uh, and so that's probably, especially with classroom teaching, probably the biggest thing that I I try to emphasize, don't get me wrong. I I try to, to do a good job with the content knowledge and, and uh, have good discussions and all that kind of thing too. But, um, but the, the vibe is important too. the feeling that they have is, is really, really important. And I hope that that's true. Uh, I hope that that happens both in the classroom as, as well as in the athletic arena.
1: One of the things that I'll, I'll remember in your classroom is uh, Kotal always would, and maybe it was just when I was there, but anything for the good of the cause, you know. And and you got those kids engaged in your in your classroom right off the bat. I mean, you just didn't start off, uh, you know, lulling them to sleep kind of deal with uh, history facts and anything like that. And so you got them engaged and. Um, one of the things that I'm curious about is engaging your staff. You know, I think you have a unique perspective to bring to the table, considering that you've kind of been at a larger school, you're at a, a middle sized school, and you're also at a, a smaller college. And, uh, you know, more importantly, in the college level, you know, how did you empower your staff? And then, you know, how do you also empower uh, your players and engage them?
2: Well, I, I think that empowerment of the staff is probably something that I, I think that I've been able to get better at over time. Um, I think one of the things that you try to look at there is, is what are your assistant coaches good at? Where are their strengths? And to try to play to their strengths. Now, if you don't know them that well, it might take a little bit of time to figure that out. Now, with with Graceland, I think that there were a lot of things that allowed me to empower my assistant coaches. Um, There were a lot of things that needed to get done that I did give them the chance to do rather than to try to do them myself. Because one, we talked about it a little bit. At this point, I don't want to do everything. There's a a lot that I want to do, but there's also um, a lot of other things that uh, if, if I can have an assistant coach take care of it and they're willing to take care of it and it will benefit them by having some responsibility. Um, and I, I, I'm really, really proud of, of what, what we did in terms of delegation with our assistant coaches at Graceland. Um, virtually all the, the bus schedules, um, the meal arrangements, um, just, there were, uh, even budgetary, um, issues and and things like that fundraising ideas just a lot of things that that they were going to need to do uh so they could further their career and have the opportunity to grow um so so that's that's a lot of it i think um is is trying to find ways that that your assistant coaches can help you also playing to their strengths um and and then with regards to to the players um, I, I think that there again, there, there are some things that maybe you care about more um, than they do. And there are some things that maybe they care about more than, than what you do. Uh, I give you a hypothetical. This goes back to, to the days at Audubon. I think probably uh, a little bit at Cedar Rapids, Washington, too. One of the things that was important to the kids was uniforms. Mm-hmm. And um, I know at Audubon, I, I, I guess... I didn't care quite as much. I cared a little bit, um, but bring bring in the, the, the one sole senior that we were going to have the next year and say, okay, which of these uniform designs do you like the best? Um, my biggest thing is, is the uniforms weren't as big of an issue as much as did we play hard, did we play together, and did we play smart? Those, those were the things that mattered. And I wasn't convinced that the uniform uh, that I was going to pick was going to make any of those, one of those three things happened, but might happen a little bit more if you empowered the kid to make a choice as to what uniform we were going to wear. Um, so, so those are the types of things too, that I I do think that there are things where sometimes you got to draw the line and say, these are some things that we don't do, but when there are maybe some negotiables in there, um, then, then your players maybe can can help you out with the negotiables. Before we get to some of your non-negotiables,
1: coach, but would you say like when you were mentioning Audubon, for instance, ha- have you were you not so willing to want to kind of release some of those duties? I mean, or did you just automatically trust, you know, or empower those assistant coaches to to handle some of those extra duties that you didn't want to necessarily? Uh, take care of because I know when I was a younger coach, it was hard for me to want to just give that stuff up just because I, I I wanted that knowledge to know that the job was going to get done right.
2: I I think that that probably is is very similar to your experience, um, and 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 now it's it's just maybe it's it's not exactly like that. Um, y- you know, there there are, there's still some of that for sure um you are you're the head coach you're the head coach for a reason so um at some point you're going to have to make some calls and and while maybe you are trying to get some input um it, you still got to sometimes say no um because you're the one that it's it's really it's going to be underneath your your name uh, at that point in time if the way something looks um but by the same token i do think that that, that definitely evolved over time um, and when you're younger, you're, you're probably not that good at it. Um, as you get to be a little bit older, uh, I think that it starts to, to navigate itself a little bit more, uh, naturally.
0: In our third episode, I was thinking of uh, uh, Rich Apple, and uh, he, he said, if you're in a position of leadership, if you're not willing to make a decision, uh, someone will make it for you. And I, I think you speak to that. As a head coach, you have to be decisive about, what you, about you, what you feel is important. And so that, you know, what are the non-negotiables? You mentioned some negotiable things, uniforms, giving up little duties to other coaches, but what are the non-negotiables you have in your program?
2: Well, I, I think that we we kind of alluded to them a little bit ago and just stole it straight from Dean Smith, you know, full disclosure. Play hard, play together, play smart. Mm. Now, if you do those three things, if your team does those three things, whatever the outcome of the game is, you're not going to be disappointed in your team. You just won't. You you shouldn't anyway. Whatever the scoreboard says, you play hard, you play together, you play smart. If you do two of those three things, that that may not get it done. Um, and if you do one of those three things, it's, it's probably not going to get it done, but if you can do all three of those things, then you're probably, you're at least going to get the result that you want. And if you don't get the end result in terms of wins and losses, you're certainly going to be proud of, of what your, your kids brought to you. So that's kind of the overarching theme that everything can kind of be traced back to that. Now, another, another thing, again, full disclosure Um, with with Dean Smith that that he says is late is rude. Mm. That's a great quote. It's three words, but it's very true. I mean, late is rude. And if somebody doesn't show up on time, or if you don't show up on time for somebody else, um, you're either being rude to somebody else by not showing up. Why is why is your time more important than their time? um, you guys invited me to this program. Well, you know, I, I wasn't going to show up five minutes late and have you guys wait for me. That would be pretty rude.
0: We're glad for that too.
2: Oh yeah. You know, I try to be 10 minutes early if I can. Um, and, and the, the opposite is true too. Well, I, if I'm running a practice and, and we're supposed to start on time, uh, then, then then, let's start on time. If we're going to start class on time, well, let's start class on time. Let's let's not be talking out in the hallway just because it, you know, we feel cool about ourselves. And then we're going to start to filter into the classroom two minutes later. You know, there's, there's, there's people that are chronically late that, that way. But um, those are some of the main non-negotiables that I would say. We're going to put forth our best effort. We're going to play cohesively as a team. We're going to strive to become more intelligent, understand the game better, eliminate the eliminate the mistakes. Uh, more than emphasizing making great plays, let's eliminate the errors, um, and and let's be punctual. So so that that's a good starting place. And and I don't know, you know, you're thinking about making rules. It's once you get past three or four rules, it's tough to remember more than that anyway.
0: And and hold everyone accountable to that, right? Easy standards make it uh, make it black and white. Um, you know, Coach, as we wind down here today, it's been a phenomenal um, 45 minutes so far. We'd love to know what you're reading um, and, and where, you, where you've gotten some knowledge from. We know that leaders grow and leaders are always looking to be better. Uh, Dwayne and I have a few in our back pocket we could go to every time. And, you know, is there something you're reading now or a couple of books you've read in the past you'd, you'd like to share with those of us uh, that are listening?
2: Well, uh, I, I do gravitate towards sports. Um, just full disclosure on that. And, uh, what I am reading right now that I just recently started, um, is, uh, 11 rings by Phil Jackson. Okay. Um, and so this will actually be the third Phil Jackson book that, that I've read. I read one. It really, it, it was interesting because it basically was written shortly after he felt that he'd failed with the Lakers. Um, when they had was basically assembled an all-star team that was basically cut out to win an NBA championship and they didn't. Um, so that was an interesting read, but, uh, sacred hoops I thought was really good. I I really like Phil Jackson, um, from the standpoint that he doesn't think like everybody else thinks. Uh, and I, I do think there's a lot of cliche in sport, um, but there's and Phil Jackson has some cliche in there too, like a lot of other coaches do. Um, but but I do think that when you read something by Phil Jackson, um, he's he's gonna take you to a place maybe that you haven't been before. and I, I think that's part of the reason that he was so successful. Um, so So that's um, that's a, that's one that I, I've just recently tapped into. Um, but uh, oh. Malcolm Gladwell is somebody that i've I've read a lot of Malcolm Gladwell books, and they rarely have much of anything to do with athletics, but I do think that they they do kind of get you to see the world in a different way. They get you to see society. And when you're coaching, um I don't care where you're coaching. You know I, it doesn't matter if you're coaching in, in Audubon or Cedar Rapids, Washington or Central Decatur. Um, yeah, some, some teams, uh, some schools are going to be more diverse than, than others, but, but every kid is unique and every kid is coming from a different place. And, and I do think that, that when you read a Malcolm Gladwell book, I do think that you learn about society a little bit more, uh, which I think makes you a little bit more of a complete and empathetic human being. And I think that if you're a little bit more of a complete empathetic human being, then you've got a better chance to be a leader, uh, because you're going to lead people from all different walks of life.
1: Uh, Coach, I'd be remiss before we let you go if I didn't ask you. I mean, just because I'm personally curious. Uh, you know, I know you said you got in front of the kids today in in the weight room, uh, or not really in the weight room, but doing some some strength exercises and stuff. But uh, and you don't really know these kids, so are you
2: are you nervous for tomorrow? I am. I definitely <laughs> yeah. definitely am. Yeah. I won't sleep too well tonight. Um Never do. And, uh, you know, and I'll probably be nervous for a little while. Uh, this this is, uh, you know, th- this is in, in some ways to have the chance to be at Central Decatur in a way. It's, it's kind of like a perfect script for me. Um, and uh, I want to make sure that it gets done the right way. So I'm almost trying not to think about it too much because I do want to be able to uh, to be able to sleep well and, and have enough energy to give them my best shot.
1: Well, I was in the same situation you were, you're going to be in as, uh, today was, you know, my first chance to really physically in person, get in front of uh, a large portion uh, of our team out in the field. And, and, uh, you know, I've it just kind of, uh, you'll, you'll see quickly, you'll have a little extra bounce in your step tomorrow, just, uh, you know, cause it's been so long since we've been in front of the kids and, um, you know, in the world that we're living in, but, uh. You know, i noticed i was uh, a little bit more energetic than i probably normally am out there and uh you know it's it was just great to be back in front of them and you know, I, i'm i'm so happy that you're going to be down at uh, leon um you know, i know uh um zach is is uh you know hired a great one with you and um you know i just uh i can't tell you how much of a an influence you know on the in the time that i've known you you've you've had on me you know, I I still every once in a while bring out uh, in the classroom. Hey, watch out for the deer. So uh, you know, uh, I never quite understood uh, where that came from, but every once in a while, as as the bell rang, uh, Coach I would be like, "Watch out for the deer," and kids would kids would uh, look at them so so confused, not knowing what, but you know that you know they remembered it. And I remembered it. So uh, you know it's uh, again, i I'm happy that you're gonna be back in the classroom. i I think uh, you're gonna have a profound impact on those kids down in Leon.
2: well, it, it means a lot to me and and now I'm the one that's got to watch out for dear because I'm commuting between Lamoni and and leon iowa and i'm telling you what they're they're pretty thick through that stretch i i see a lot of them but uh met the world to have the opportunity to to be with you guys tonight and i appreciate all the kind things that you had to say to me and um wishing the very best to you guys and uh and again what a great opportunity to have the chance to be on your show
0: well, we're honored that you took the time and, and we're definitely better before because of it. You know, play hard, play smart, play together. Those are some wise words that I think everyone can take with us. Build relationships, be humble. Um, don't be afraid to show emotion and let people know that you care because that's how you drive connection and commitment. And so we'd like to thank Coach Howell for jumping on today here on the Life Leadership Pursuit of Greatness podcast. We'd also like to thank uh, Coach Nate Albaugh for broadcasting this through his uh, chief pigskin website, If you're interested in being a better coach, um, at least from a football perspective, you need to check out clinic.chiefpigskin.com. Anything and everything related to the game of football, Exynos, leadership program development, you're going to find it. And I would encourage you to stick around here after our podcast. Coach Alba is going to be on for another hour broadcasting live on the same website that you're watching us live right now. And so for all of us um, here, Coach Mathis, myself, and Coach Howell, we'd like to thank you for your time tonight. Let's keep chasing life, leadership, Uh, and greatness in all that we do. Have a great evening.